why are people so resistant to the idea of exercise and eating well? We know how many people a year does obesity kill in America or in the UK or in I don't all of know. these but okay. a lot. <laughs> it, it's a lot. Okay, it's a way lot. more than it's way more than coronavirus. Yeah, way more. It's also way more than mass shootings. It's way mm-hmm. more than a lot of things. But where's the obesity emergency? In fact, if you even talk about it, some people will say that you're fat shaming, that you're right. mean, and they're not, you're not being kind. And you can be beautiful and healthy at any size, despite the fact that we know that that is not true. You cannot be healthy at every size, right? You, there's a level where if you get past a certain level of obesity, you are significantly reducing your life expectancy. You're putting yourself at massive risk of a lot of diseases. And this is something in your control. Good morning. What is up, my friend? I'm health expert Ted Rice, and I'm back with another episode of the Legendary Life podcast for you today. Coming to you from Medellin, Colombia, where I've been in lockdown for 26 days now. And let me ask you, how are you doing? What is your outlook on a scale one to 10 right now? One being everything's falling apart. 10 being, you know what? This is another blip in the radar. A great story to tell my kids or to share with other people when I get older. Well, if you answered anything less than a, let's say eight, I've got a great episode for you today because I have Zuby. Now, you may or may not know Zuby, but Zuby is an independent rapper, podcast host, author, public speaker, and entrepreneur with over 300,000 followers online. In fact, that's where I connected with him on Twitter. I know Twitter is typically uh, viewed as a place where a lot of negativity gets spread, but Zuby is one of these people. He just brings the positivity, brings the optimism, but not in a silly, naive way. He brings it in a real way. And his humor and his approach has landed him on the Joe Rogan Experience, the BBC, Fox News, Sky News, the Adam Carolla Show, the Rubin Report, and more. So if you're in need of a mood boost, this here's what I can tell you about Zuby and today's interview. You're going to feel better after listening to Zuby. So you're going to be in a more positive mood because that's just the vibe he gives off no matter what. And let me tell you, I like Zuby a lot. He's a good dude. I don't know him that well, so I shouldn't say I like him that much. But I, what I know about him, I really appreciate what he brings to the online world. Uh, this is my second time sitting down with him and speaking to him one-on-one. And you just feel good after talking to the guy. And you may not agree with everything that he believes in, but he's cool with it, and you should be cool with it too. He's also got a uh, book on fitness called Strong Advice, and you can find that all at ZubiMusic.com. Now, before we hop into the episode with Zuby, I want to let you know we are running our seven-day challenge, So, and we're only opening it up for 50 spots because I'm actually going to take you and put you in my exclusive app. And I'm going to take you through a seven-day challenge and actually coach you for seven days. Now, I'm doing this for two reasons. One, I want to give back to you. So if you're in a situation right now and you want to step up your game, if you've been uh, getting, if your hand has been 
in the Cheeto bag or the potato chip bag and you've been watching a lot of Netflix and you know that things aren't changing and you know you need to step up and take care of your health, well, here's an opportunity and I want to give back to you. And for those of you who have been kind of like, "Mm, maybe I want to work with Ted, but I'm not quite sure. Well, this is your opportunity to test out what I teach and experience it firsthand. So if you're interested, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge. And again, there are only 50 spots. And once they're gone, and we have several hundred people in the Facebook group, and we're putting new people in every day. So between the email list, the Facebook group, the spots are going to fill up quickly. Get in there. We'll be running it again, but not sure when. Probably once a month, maybe. We're not sure. So we want to get in now if you want to take action. If you're looking for something to do, legendarylightpodcast.com slash challenge is the place to go. And without further ado, let's get to the interview with Zuby. Zuby, really appreciate you taking out some of your time from all the amazing things you do online, all the amazing information you put out to come here and share some of that, some of your wisdom and insight with us today. Appreciate it, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. And like I was telling you before we went and clicked the record button, I'm highly triggered today. And it has to do with something that you talk a lot about. So I got into a discussion about, um, you know, someone watched the David Ick interview on London Real and um, this whole thing about conspiracy theories about the COVID-19 isn't real. This is just a power grab so that companies can, um, you know, roll out 5G. For me, that sits right at the same level is that there's more than two genders, right? Or that, uh, you know, all the other things that people say where if we just go to the best evidence that we have, it's really clear what the answer is. So why don't we talk a little bit about that today and, uh, you know, address the elephant in the room. We're all, we're all in lockdown right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it's more important than ever to keep our heads straight mm-hmm. instead of thinking that we can figure out, you know, the machinations or machinations, however you say that word correctly. <laughs> about what's going on at the, you know, the elite level, the people running the world and that type of thing. So that's how I'm kicking this off, man. Okay. Well, firstly, firstly, I'll say I haven't seen that interview and I haven't looked into it. So I can offer nothing directly regarding it because I haven't even seen it. So I, I can't say anything intelligent regarding it. I have seen a couple of people talking about 5G and stuff like that. And I have no idea of where that idea stems from, but you know, people always have, people have all kinds of weird ideas on all sorts of levels. That's just part of being human. And, um, you know, no people are totally rational. I think we all like to think we're rational and certainly some people are more rational than others. But I think if you sort of scratch the surface, then all of us, at least at times, if not more generally do hold certain beliefs that are not totally rational, you know, some things that are just faith-based, some things that are just ideas or theories or things that you believe or things you want to be true or whatever, whatever the case may be. And there's a huge spectrum of that. Um, Some of them might seem a little more 
wacky. Uh, I mean, the idea of, I like I said, I haven't looked into this video, but the idea of coronavirus being have being linked to 5G, I I I, like I said I have I haven't looked into it, but just off on a very surface level, there are already a whole bunch of things there that don't make much sense to me, especially starting with the fact of how many different countries that COVID-19 has reached and infected compared to the number of countries that even have 5G towers. The former is much more than the latter by by several fold, probably an order of magnitude. And yeah, I mean, I, I like I'm 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 intrigued by conspiracy theories. Right? <laughs> there are some that um I don't think have any credence to them. The ones that I can entertain more are ones where it would be like, okay, well, there would be at least a there would be a reason for that to happen. So something like something like flat Earth, I think is I think is interesting. I don't believe in it at all, but I think it's interesting from a psychological perspective and just as a, as a sort of idea experiment, part of the reason why I think it's a silly concept in my personal opinion is there wouldn't be a motive for it, right? What would be the, if the world were flat, what would be the, who would be making money? You, you see what I mean? What would be the incentive for all of these individuals and groups and countries to collaborate to hide the fact that the earth is in fact flat? Like who would that benefit? Conspiracy theories that make more sense and which I tend to give more credence are ones where it's like, okay, well, you can see what the benefit of that would be. With this 5G one, that seems to be kind of halfway. I can see how someone may think that it's some kind of bioweapon, right? So that that sort of inverted, inverted commas conspiracy theory would make a lot more sense to me if someone would think that some aspects of it are being done as a, as a power grab to give governments and politicians more power or whatever that you know they're certainly doing that that is ending up being the result if that is the motive or the the reason it began like i don't i don't know that like i wouldn't infer that but multiple things can be true at one time and i think with a lot of things this is coming out of the conspiracy theory realm but just in general i think a lot of people like very binary thinking, thinking something is either all the way there or it's all the way there. And people don't like adopting any kind of middle ground or nuanced position in the majority of cases. So if you say you don't, you're not totally all the way there, people assume, some people assume it means you must totally be all the way there. If you say you're not totally all the way on that side, they think you're totally all the way on the opposite side, right? If you question, there are some people who are, you know, the, the, say say you take the climate change alarmist extremists, okay? If you question any element of what they're saying or even their proposals, then it's because you're an inverted commas climate denier, right? That's this is the term that I don't. It's, it's a stupid term because I don't. Even, how can you deny the climate? Like the term doesn't deny the climate. Yeah, the term. Yeah, yeah, the term doesn't make sense. So, are there people who are? Has climate change as an issue been politicized and are people using it as a Trojan horse to push political policies and stuff? Of course they are. That's a fact. There's no question. But acknowledging that doesn't mean that I don't think that the climate changes, right? Or acknowledging that the climate changes doesn't mean that I think that we should go full socialist and that the world is going to end in 12 years either. 
So that's just like a single example, but people seem to do that on a lot of issues. You know, I think that's why I resonate, even though you and I, we, we, we've actually had a conversation before this, uh, I, you know, you helped me with my, you know, I consulted with you in other words for, for my tr- Twitter strategy and uh, it was super helpful. One reason that I think I resonate with your message so much, even though we've got some differing views on the world, I think part of it is you take a very honest approach, a very uh, an approach where you challenge yourself and say, okay, am I, let's think about this. Let's think about it rationally. We all want to hold on to those beliefs. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody's like, oh yeah, let me challenge <laughs> What I believe, because yeah, it's good to be found out wrong and to you know level up my thinking. We all want to be right, right? Mm, yes, it just we, seems we, like this internal drive. But but the thing I would say that you do really well is what you just said. There are elements of truth and elements of untruth all at the same time, and it's about the ability to work through that critically. To like you just did for us right now with the different examples. And uh, that's lacking because it's so easy to be an extremist. And plus, there's a community that's already built for you. So, to where you get acceptance and confirmation bias and reinforcement for the beliefs that you have. And nobody's saying, hey, listen, well, listen, okay, so there's volcanoes that erupt uh, and, and spew out you know, so much, you know, CO2, there's been climate change in the past, just, just to stay with that example. Uh, before the industrial revolution, so that, but is human activity adding to that? Um, and, yeah. you know, thinking on it on those levels. Yeah, even, I mean, even, even on that level, I mean, I think it's given that we know that, you know, you know given what we know about greenhouse gases, I don't even think it's really a question of if someone is being reasonable, I think human activity almost must have some impact. Absolutely. So yeah. How, how much is, right. it, is it 1%? Is it 10%? Is it 80? I, I don't know. Just based on, I, I've not researched anything, but just based on what I know and some degree of common sense, I would think that the impact of hum, of human beings is a relatively small percentage of the grand scheme of things. You've already talked about, you know, all the all the animals and uh, volcanic activity and stuff like that, which you know are huge contributing factors. So, I don't I don't know. I haven't looked into the data enough. And I'm, honestly, I'm not. Climate change is a weird one because people get all amped up. But I don't. I have no passion about that issue. Like people always want to know climate change. Climate. It it, it promote it provokes no interest or emotion in me. People are like, oh, what's your view on climate change? Climate change. People always want me on their, their climate change side. And I like, I just don't have any, I don't know. It doesn't, <laughs> the issue doesn't appeal to me, right? There's some things that like have an emotional appeal to me and I think it's really interesting and whatever. This one, I'm just like, okay, like the people interested in it, go do it. But it's yeah. like football. Like, I don't, I don't care about football. I don't follow it. <laughs> people want to know what team do you support? Who are you supporting? What it, I was like, I just don't care. It doesn't mean I, I hate football or whatever. Like I just, I'm just not, I'm not interested. I'm not engaged and it's hard to really engage me because it just doesn't strike anything in me. You know, I would say with the climate change, not to harp on this subject, but 
it's really interesting uh, that people are so focused on like, well, in 30 years, we're not going to, and by 2050, Miami is going to be underwater. They right? said or that 30 years like ago. <laughs> they said it 30 years ago. <laughs> but but the, yeah. the, the more interesting aspect to me is, so- uh, oh, Siri, speaking of conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, like Siri, Apple's listening to our conversation <laughs> because they want to crack down on what we're talking. Anyway, so um, that was my feeble attempt at a joke there. Hopefully it brought <laughs> some smiles to some people's faces. But um, what is more immediate is, for example, I told you I'm in Medellin, Colombia. There's a serious pollution problem. How do we know? Okay. Because there's there are these measurement devices that constantly monitor air quality here. I was in Bangkok, same issue. In Chiang Mai, when um, pollution hit its peak, I got really sick. Oh, right? wow. Okay. Not because of climate change, but yeah. because of something immediate that had immediate effects and it's, but we we don't rally against something that, uh, and, and air pollution, by the way, is something that is affecting us now in places where it's bad. Big and cities, there's yeah. a, yeah, big cities. And there's plenty of data showing that it's bad. Nobody is railing against it and asking for, ch- I mean, there are people who are doing that, but it's not the same level as something that's going to happen in 50 years or 20 years or 30 years. And uh, I think that's another example of what we're talking about here. Like critically thinking, wouldn't you be more concerned about the things that are affecting you now, that are affecting oh, your no, children now? Not. And that have <laughs> evidence, right? That have not. plenty of a, a stack of evidence. Ted, people are acting it, like coronavirus is uh, is the first new pandemic. We've been, we've been living in a global pan, multiple global pandemics for like the past several decades. Okay. Sure. Why why are people so resistant to the idea of exercise and eating well? We know how many people a year does obesity kill in America or in the UK or in I all don't of know, these But a okay, lot. It, it's a lot. Okay. <laughs> a it's way lot. more than it's way more than coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Way more. It's also way more than mass shootings. It's way mm-hmm. more than a lot of things. But where's the obesity emergency? In fact, if you even talk about it, some people will say that you're fat shaming and that you're right. being mean. And they're not, you're not being kind and you can be beautiful and healthy at any size, despite the fact that we know that that is not true. You cannot be healthy at every size, right? You, there's a level where if you get past a certain level of obesity, you are significantly reducing your life expectancy. You're putting yourself at massive risk of a lot of diseases. And this is something in your control, right? right. This is not something that you just, that you catch. It's not like, it's not like a, I don't know, a cancer or a certain type of viruses or something where it's quite difficult, you know, no matter what you do, you can still end up with this thing. It's like, no, you, you are actually totally in control of all the food that enters your mouth and you are in control of the amount of activity you do. But people want to freak out about a virus, which in the grand scheme of things, I'm not trying to minimize the issue, kills far less people. This is just statistics. This is just facts, right? Kills far less people than a lot of other things that individuals can actually control. But People freak out about this thing and totally ignore the thing that they actually are can control. And this comes back to what I was just saying initially about human beings just not being just you know we're we're really not rational creatures. You can see that in any department if you study 
If you study sales or like marketing or consumer behavior or just the dynamic between men and women or relationships, all of these things, you can see every day examples of things that are just not rational. Do you know what I mean? Like you, there, there are a lot of things don't make sense. Why do people, why do people smoke? Right. Everybody, right. there's no, there's no one who smokes, who's, who, know, who thinks smoking is, is good for them. Right? They all know it's, it's not good for them. They know it's increasing their chance of getting lung cancer and all these other problems, but they, there's some rationalization that goes on in the brain that says, oh, well, you know, anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing anyway. Like we know what's good for us. We know what's bad for us, but that doesn't mean that we act like totally rational beings and just do the things that are good for us and don't do the things that are, that are bad for us. And it's weird. You know, I, human beings are just very fascinating. We're the most complicated thing that exists. I agree with that, man. And and it is fascinating. Part of what I do is try to help people with that. And I don't just mean the body fat thing, but to really get clear on what we're talking about. And I would love, uh, you know, I, I got to say this before we go on. If you go to the CDC website, because people are like, oh yeah, this, um, you know, the conspiracies and don't listen to the mainstream channels of information. If you go to the CDC website, they say, if you're obese, you have a higher likelihood of experiencing complications due to COVID-19. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, Nobody's um, it, talking about that. That's official yeah. source of, where's the yeah, conspiracy yeah. there? You know, it's like yeah, it's something a fact. totally, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the top three risk factors are if you're um, elderly, as in 70 plus, um, if you're a heavy smoker and obesity, I believe those are the top three. I think those are probably also the top three causes of cancer, right? And uh, just generally, right? And heart disease. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And heart disease and uh, diabetes. So it's, th- this is kind of what I'm saying. And it's, it's bizarre. We live, we live in this weird world where pointing that out or articulating that somehow makes you the bad guy or you're not, or apparently you're not comparing two things that are equivalent. And it's like, yeah, they're not equivalent. In fact, the thing I'm, I'm talking about is, is statistically a, a, a much bigger issue. And it's a persistent one. And like I said, it's one that we can control more. When it comes to a virus or something, we can control stuff to a degree. We're doing the social distancing, people are quarantining, et cetera. But you know, if you, it's, it's, it's still pretty random, right? But there are a, a lot of things. It's, you would think the rational thing to do would be, and some people do this, you know, I know I attempt to do this. I know you attempt to do this. The rational thing to do would be to, in terms of your health, if people want to talk about health, people want to talk about healthcare, the rational thing to do would be to control the things you can control. Absolutely. Right? And keep, try to keep yourself as healthy as possible. And then if stuff, bad stuff still happens, then at least you've minimized you've minimized your risk. The, right? the, the thing that would make sense would not be to maximize your risk so that if a new virus comes along or things that we already know about come along, then you're putting yourself in a much more dangerous position. It would be like, I don't know, it would be like someone who earns, I don't know, take someone who earns 50,000 50, pounds a year and you can have two people who earn that same money and one of them spends 50,000 pounds a year and the other one spends 40,000 and saves 10,000, right? And over the course of time, those people are now, they've put themselves in very, very different positions. And, you know, I'd say the latter person is, is taking a much more rational and reasonable position. 
And then what's that Warren Buffett? Is it Warren Buffett who said, when, when the tide goes out, then so when the tide goes out, when the tide goes in and you see who's swimming, who's swimming naked. Right. <laughs> right. And right. that's yeah. what, and that's kind of <laughs> what, what happens. And I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. I think the truth is, I think people need given a lot of, given majority of people are more emotional than they are rational. I think it's like people need to feel some degree of fear or anxiety normally to take an action. It's so a shame. It can be hard. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's a shame, right? Because oftentimes people leave things so late that it's like, okay, so you now want, you, you now care about this thing. <laughs> you got to see what I mean. It's like, you're going to take in all these precautions for all these years or even decades in some cases. And then it's not until stuff goes really bad that you want to now take action, right? People always want the medicine rather than doing the prevention. And that's weird. I mean, even if you're talking about healthcare, I, th- I find that word quite interesting because when people talk about healthcare, they very rarely talk about preventive medicine, right? right? It's always, right? They're not talking about what you can do to take he- healthcare. That's the word, healthcare, care of your health, right? Um, yeah. So people don't talk about the precautions as much. I think if you're going to talk about healthcare, then yeah, you should be talking about exercise. You should be talking about nutrition. You should be talking about things you can do to keep yourself mentally healthy on a daily basis and all that. The conversation about healthcare shouldn't just be like, okay, when crap goes really, really wrong and you're now in the hospital, what do we do? It should be thinking, how do we prevent you from getting to that stage to begin with, especially given the number of people out there, right? In America, you have 330 million people, UK, 65 million people. If you can reduce the number of people who even end up in that situation, maybe by 20%, 40%, 50%, which we actually could. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Then, absolutely. Then, then why is that not part of the conversation? And I, I find that I find that strange. Maybe it's just a perspective that people don't tend to hold. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, the, it, what's really interesting is the focus, what people choose to focus on, because this is my business. And I know you have a book about health as well, about exercise. And uh, we could even uh, you know, go there, happy to. But uh, from uh, this is exactly what I do. And I talk to people, and these aren't my clients. My clients, I get them very straight on like, okay, focus on this, focus on this, focus on this. That other stuff, we're not sure how, like like we talked about before, how much does it move the needle? How much does, we, we know that eating organic food um, reduces your exposure to pesticides. We know that for a fact. What we don't know is how much does that move the needle clinically? right? Because that's the question. But here's something we do know, 100%. We know that if you are worried about organic, whether you know there's pesticides in the food or meat being pumped up with hormones, or you're worried about 5G, the science is inconclusive about that. Mm-hmm. But the science is 100% conclusive on where like body fat levels on mm-hmm. exer- whether you exercise or not, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And people are sitting around worried about like, oh gosh, it's the the toxins in my food are probably causing this issue. And it's like, well, yeah. what's your body fat percentage? What's your BMI? <laughs> it's it's strange. It's really yeah. weird, isn't it? And it's another really thing that people don't like to admit at all. So mm. I, I I went down this rabbit hole with like 
scientific optimization of sleep and other things. And you know what I found after working with so many clients, Subi? Some people have the issue like, okay, well, if your room's not dark enough and you're sensitive to light, that's going to be an issue. If you're, you know, blasting blue lights in your in your eyes before you go to bed, if you get rid of that and you're still having trouble sleeping and you're doing all the sleep hacking, a lot of this stuff comes down to psychological issues, comes down to, well, I'm not in a healthy relationship, but I don't want to talk about that. Let's just talk about whether keto is the best diet, right? <laughs> Let's just talk about high-intensity interval training. Let's not talk about my relationship uh, with my partner. Let's not talk about my relationship with my children. Let's not talk about you know the, the isolation and loneliness that I feel. Let's just talk about like, you know, what pills can I take or what supplements are the best, you know? Yeah, man. I I don't want to interrupt, but I feel like I'm, I am no remote mental health, depression, anxiety expert whatsoever, but I do strongly think based on what I know and what I've just observed anecdotally, I think that until people get there, if someone is talking about being depressed or being anxious or whatever, The first three questions really should be, before anyone's looking at medication or pills or whatever, prescriptions, the first three questions should be, what does your diet look like? What does your exercise routine look like? And how is your sleep? Right? And then from there, you can get to some of the other things we said, you know, how's your work? How's your relate? How are your relationships? What's your life? Because I think a huge percentage of what people call depression these days is not true clinical depression. I think it's just you've got something A shitty lifestyle. Yeah, you've just got a bad (laughs) lifestyle. You've got stuff going wrong. So yeah, of course you feel, inverted commas, depressed because stuff is out of whack. Stuff Stuff is not going right. So yeah, sure, you will feel depressed, but the answer isn't, oh, so just take this pill, take this tablet. The answer should be like, oh, okay, well, look, you're eating trash. You're sleeping three hours a night. Um, you're in a terrible relationship, you hate your job. Well, why wouldn't you be depressed, right? This isn't a, and if it's a chemical imbalance, then it's a chemical imbalance that's coming from the fact that these things are, are out of whack. I think if someone has the majority of those things lined up and they're still feeling that way, then okay, that's when I'm more like, okay, I think that's real depression, you know, whatever that may mean. I think that's more like, okay, that's like a true thing that might need some kind of medication perhaps. But I think it's crazy that people jump to that that sort of what should be the last resort. People go to that one first. And that's just one of there. There's a lot of things that I find weird in the world and that I find weird about the way that we, we do things and the way we behave. But that's something that I've really noticed, I think, over the past, especially over the past decade, where there is a lot of talk about mental health. And I mean... I'm a musician. I don't know if you'd be aware of this, but do you know the job with the highest rate of depression? Musicians? Musicians. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Do you want to know a secret that all my coaching clients follow? It's really simple, but powerful. Add vegetables into each meal. But let's be honest, most of us, including myself, Don't eat the recommended servings of vegetables and fruits each day. So for those of us who are on the go or have trouble eating healthy, having a greens powder makes it easy to get your greens in every single day, no matter how busy you are. 
And that's why I use and recommend Organifi Green Juice, a superfood powder that you just add water to so that you can get your greens in even when you're on the go. The best thing about Organifi Green Juice is that it actually tastes great. But don't believe me, try it for yourself. And use the code TED20, that's capital T-E-D, the number 20, at www.organifi.com. That's Organifi.com to receive 20% off your first order. But hurry, this is a limited time discount for Legendary Life listeners. Now, back to the episode. Over 50% of musicians in the UK report mental health issues. Over 50%. Like, I'm an exception by not reporting, self-reporting a mental health issue. And that is, that's wild, right? That, that's, that's crazy. And that should be something that people should, you know, we should, we sort of be looking at and saying, okay, well, like, what, what's actually going on here? What are people doing? What's going up? What's up with people's lives and everything? And yeah, I just think it's, um, it's odd. And I think because of the way people talk about it and all the sensitivity and political correctness about it and whatever, it can be difficult to extract what is the truth and what really needs to be discussed here and what really needs to be done here. Because I would be curious to know out of that over 50%, what percentage of that is something that you know truly requires some sort of medication or deep counseling or something. And what percentage is just like, okay, you're just, you've just got a lot of things in your life that are, that are screwed up, you know, and the fact that you're partying every night and doing drugs and, you know, (laughs) drinking and it's like, well, yeah, your lifestyle is not really gonna, gonna help your mental health here, nor your physical health, is it? I'm a musician as well. I wasn't aware of that statistic, but I remember when I was uh, playing in a band. And, and, and by the way, in case you've been listening for a while, I played I played the upright bass in a jazz band. So, and then electric bass in in a couple of, I guess what you would call fusion rock bands, or you know, that type of thing. And I remember just uh, people would feed us free alcohol and buy us drinks all the time every time we played out. After I remember being so drunk one night that I was backing up my car. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at driving. I'm no Mario Andretti, but uh, I can parallel park with no problem. And, uh, but I kept running into the curb and I'm like, this lifestyle is just not good. <laughs> and I ended up getting away from it. And it's not that I couldn't, I, I just was having trouble at the time. I was in my late 20s controlling myself. But uh, it's, it's such a good point. So many of us, we, are doing these things that are working against us. We want to come to excuses. And like you said, it's really hard to tease out and think clearly, especially if you're not healthy physically, because we know that your brain, your, your brain is part of your body. Your mind is your body. It's a manifestation of the health of your body. And I think one of the things I like about you is um, I don't know you that well, but my impression of you is some is you're a person who puts your physical health on a high priority. Also, you put your emotional health on a high priority. And it's obvious that uh, I don't we, we've never talked about your family and um, I haven't heard you talk about it before, but I would imagine that you have a very good relationship with your family. In other words, you were raised right 
More right? than good. More than more good. Than good. Yeah, more and, than good. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of us don't have that. I know I don't have that. And um, and so a lot of people are working against that. How what do you recommend for if someone's got some obstacles they're working on in their life where maybe they've got some childhood baggage? Maybe they're they've been going to these excuses, maybe their minds are racing like crazy, coming up with like, oh, maybe it's the toxins in the food that are making me fat, not the bottle of wine and uh, ice cream cake that I'm eating every night due to the stress I'm under. How do we help people? How do you help people make that shift? Wow. That, that's heavy, man. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot there. I mean, I would say firstly, it's by adopting, uh, you know, I think everything begins with mindset. Everything Agreed. becomes, everything begins with mindset. And there are two ways that you can deal with any form of adversity whether it's adversity that comes sort of through your own actions or through no fault of your own. And I do truly believe this. And sure, some people go, oh, well, this is so easy just for you to say, like, you know, you you grew up like this or you had this or whatever. But I do believe that, look, if you live in the modern Western world, especially, okay, if you're born and you live in the UK, Canada, USA, Western Europe, whatever, then firstly, you're already privileged. Even if you may not be in the top tier, all right, of that society, it's like you're already just by dint of that probability of your birth, you are already you already have a lot to be grateful. You're in for. the one percent. Yes. Know? Plus the fact that you're born in this era. Okay. Right. I'm a black. I'm a black guy. I wouldn't want to have wanted to have been born in the UK or in the USA a hundred years ago. No. Right. It like that would have been stuff would have been way more difficult for me. I wouldn't have had all the opportunities and everything. Like we live in the most privileged time period and in some of the most privileged countries in the world. So even if you are, so even if say you're someone who was born in the UK, sort of, uh, you know, you grew up in a council estate or in, you're in the U S and you grew up in a poor neighborhood, or maybe your, you know, your parents didn't do a great job or, you know, your father left or what, whatever the case may be. And I can understand that those situations suck. What I believe is, and again, this, this, is, this is unique to the modern Western world, you don't choose where you start. Nobody gets to choose their starting position. You don't choose your parents. You don't choose your family. You don't choose where you're born. You don't choose when you're born. You, there's a lot of things you don't choose. You don't choose what you look like to, you know, most, you can control it to some degree, like we were saying before, but you know, like we, we all just look how we look. You can't change your height, right? I can't just grow another five inches or whatever. We are largely, you know, you're just kind of given to a degree, you're just given what you're given. And then, but over the course of a lifetime, I think that where you end up is up to you. That's what I truly believe. So regardless of your starting position, there's no question that some people have advantage, that we all have advantages and disadvantages. But regardless, over the course of a long period of time, I'm talking, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, you can't be, you don't want to be that guy who is 60 years old and you're still, and you're blaming your lack of success in life on the fact that your, your childhood wasn't ideal. You know or what I mean? Society, it's like, right? Yes. Yes. Society. Yeah. Society, the system, whatever. I mean, that is a total victimhood mentality. And 
when it comes to adversity, it's like, look, even if you deal with adversity, there are two ways you can deal with it. You can let it crush you or you can learn from it and you can use it in a way to make you stronger. We all go through bad stuff. It doesn't matter wherever you are on the scale. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, um, privileged, underprivileged, whatever. We all go through ups and downs. We're all going to deal with death. We're all going to deal with sickness. We're all going to deal with losing people who we love and people who are close to us. We're all going to deal with relationships and ups and downs, you know, career ups and downs. There, there are so many things that every human being is going to deal with. And you can let those things crush you, or you can adopt a totally different mentality and just take ownership, right? Take ownership, take responsibility, and just be like, look, I can't control everything, but the things that I can, I am going to control those things. And even when these challenges come my way, instead of using those things as an excuse to give up and just constantly be making excuses for myself all throughout my life, I'm going to use those things as motivators. And regardless, like I said, regardless of your station, I think if people, when people adopt that mentality, that is one, it makes you a much more positive and optimistic person who inspires others and people want to hang out with. And lo and behold, you'll then become more lucky because more opportunities will come your way because people will want to be friends with you and associate with you and hang out with you and give you opportunities and everything. If you're that person who's just sitting there talking about how everything sucks all the time and whining and complaining about everything, then yeah, you'll end up sort of becoming unlucky because who wants to who wants to be around that? Who wants to? There's no opportunities that are going to come there. We have so much opportunity in this world, and the barriers to entry now are so low in so many things that you can just—it's like just just go and do it. Whatever it is you want to do, just go and do it. You can get the information. The information is plentiful. It's very accessible. If you're able to watch this video, then you already got the tool that you need to access that information. We all have the internet. We have videos. We have podcasts. We have the whole world history of information available at the click of a button, which is insane. So for people to still be making these excuses and excuses and excuses, it's why I, you know, I can have compassion and empathy to some degree, but at some point, I'm a little bit of a tough love guy. I'm kind of like, look, all right. I get what you're saying. I, I feel you. I hear you. you know, I know. I know it's hard to not eat five donuts a day. I know they taste good. <laughs> I know you know. But you know, at some point, you've got to move on from this. And I'd, or someone who I don't know, someone got bullied as a child. It's like, like that's that's a shame. Like I, that's not cool. That's not cool. We can't. Can, but you cannot. You can't change the past. You cannot change the past. The past is immutable. So focusing all your energy on the past is literally a waste of energy, total waste of time and energy. You've got to look in the present and look towards the future and think, okay, that's the past. That's there. I can't change that. What can I do today, this week, this month, this year to make sure that the future for myself, for my children, my family, my loved ones, whatever it is, how can I make that um, as good as possible? And I think if people can shift their brains in that direction, then that's really where winners are made. I love that, man. And I'll tell you, it's so interesting what we're talking about right now. And um, this has come up in the, the years that I've been running coaching groups, because at first I was like trying to help people heal from their past. Sure. And I think there's importance there, going into your past 
and, you know, working through some of the things that happened, making peace with what happened. Zuby, what I ended up learning though, is that you may have had like a, a, an amazing upbringing. Somebody might've had a terrible upbringing. Mm-hmm. The narrative starts to become less important. And the thing that really matters is where you are now, what you want to do, because all human beings, I believe this, don't have any randomized control trials to back it up. But I believe that all human beings need growth. We can't stay the same. We need to grow and evolve. And if we don't, we're not happy, right? So we all need those goals. What is really standing in between you, where you are right now, and the goals you want to achieve is not your past. It's not your narrative. It's not the, you didn't go to prom or your dad didn't buy you the car that you wanted for graduation. It's the the daily implementation of the things that you need to do to achieve that goal. In other words, Mm -hmm. the work. Yep. And it doesn't matter what your past is, whether it's good or bad, it, there's always resistance to move to a higher level. Mm. If you want to sit around and pound bonbons or, you know, Cheetos and watch Netflix, there's no resistance to doing that. No. Right? There's no resistance. But if you want to turn off the Netflix and, you know, walk in place for 45 minutes because now that's all you can do because you can't go outside. Mm. Tremendous level of resistance. Doesn't matter what your past is. Or if you want to put down the Cheetos or the ice cream or the chips and go make yourself some broccoli and and chicken breast or kale, (laughs) superfood salad or whatever it is, there's always going to be resistance to that no Mm -hmm. matter what your story is of your past. Because we're all human beings and we all face the same resistance when we're trying to move to that higher level. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get people focused on, um, what do you have to say about that? And how can people get focused on like the, the implementation of daily habits that mm-hmm. ultimately lead um, to a better experience of life? Absolutely. Um, well, I would say that get started. Okay. So people always want motivation and motivation gets you started. I say motivation gets you started. Habit keeps you going. So once something is truly a habit, the amount of effort required to keep doing it is greatly diminished. So if you have a habit, if you wake up and you, you brush your teeth and you shower in the morning and you do this every day, then, you know, if you look at a child, Getting them to brush your, their teeth is is a bit of a challenge. Right? It's, it's not really a habit yet, right? If uh, if you're trying to teach a I don't know a, a two year old or a whatever to, to brush their teeth, then they haven't yet really formed the habit for it. But once you do it, you know no one's like no no one asks the question how do you motivate yourself to brush your teeth twice a day? No, no so one asks true. that question, right? <laughs> how do you motivate yourself to have a shower? <laughs> it's, 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 you don't motivate yourself. You just you do it. It's a habit, and. Even things that are difficult can become those same habits. To me, going to the gym is like that. There are some people who, you know, trying to get them to go to the gym, it's such a huge effort. They require so much motivation, whatever. When For me, it's hard not to go. The hardest day for me is the rest day where, where I don't train. 
And that's just because it's become over the course of 16 years or however long I've been training, it's such an ingrained pattern. And you can do this. And this this applies to everything, both both negative and positive. It explains why it's so difficult to break a negative habit. And also it's relatively, well, I, I was going to say it's relatively hard to form a new one, but it's actually not. I think, think they've shown it takes around, I think it's somewhere around four to eight weeks to really ingrain a new habit. So what I recommend to people is just get started, get going. And then once you reach a certain level, you will find that you start enjoying it and it starts becoming habitual. And when you don't do it, that's when you feel bad. So you'll go from feeling bad and feeling that resistance to, to even do it to it'll inverse. Eventually it'll become the stage where, Oh, you haven't done this and you're now, you're now feeling bad because you have not done it. So you, just to feel normal, you you need to go and go to the gym or exercise or eat right or do this habit or do whatever it is you're doing. So yeah, I just reiterate that and say, yeah, motivation gets you started, but habit keeps you going. And, and, and amongst all this, it's also important to understand why you're doing what you're doing. If you understand why you're doing it, if it, it's hard to keep, it's hard to do something every day if you don't know why you're doing it or if you think it's pointless. But if you can understand why you're doing it and the value of it and what you're eventually going to achieve in the long term, then it becomes a lot easier to go through that even when you're not in the mood. Yeah, powerful, powerful, powerful perspective and uh, great examples because now we all feel weird if we don't brush our teeth or don't take a shower. It's like, oh, I feel a little weird. I haven't taken a shower today. It's a little weird. Those were ingrained in us in a young age. Mm-hmm. And, um, and unfortunately, society didn't ingrain in us, hey, not only do you have to take care of your teeth and your hygiene, but uh, your body, super important as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the, it's, it's on us to create that, but also to realize what you said, that it's just a habit that you don't have. Mm-hmm. Once you overcome that and stop, you know, trying to rely on motivation and understand like there's going to be this oomph of conscious effort to mm-hmm. get yourself over the resistance to start. But once you yeah. do that and once you get good at, oh, I fell off, you know, okay, get back on, keep going. That's the mm-hmm. path. And once you do that enough, it becomes ingrained in you as a habit. And if you yeah. get great results, like you have, uh, you hold the the deadlift record for women um, <laughs> in do. the UK, uh-huh. uh, and, uh, <laughs> and it never and, stops being funny. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll have to go back and explain that in the in the intro for this uh, interview. But um, once you get to that point, it becomes very difficult not to do it because you, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm operating at this level and now I'm operating at a lower level. It's kind of like, oh, I had, I used to be making, you know, 20 grand a month and now I'm making 10 grand a month. You really feel the difference in the quality of your life when you're not in shape. And, but you got to get there first and you got to realize it's just going to be a bit of a slog until that habituation comes in until the habit starts to form. Powerful, man. Listen, uh, Zuby, I, 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 I love talking to you, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> really, really do uh, love what, what you bring to our world, really, because you're, you know, followed by people around the world on Twitter. 
Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. And also, I want to do this again some other time. So I want to leave uh, people with, uh, you know, I, I want to leave them wanting more. So I'll ask you this. What is the best piece of advice in this current situation that you can leave people with? Wow. I would say I would say two things. Number one, I would say do your best to maintain some level of normalcy. So keep doing the things you already do, even if it means you have to do things a little bit differently. If you normally talk to your friends a lot and hang out with them, then do it via Zoom or Skype or just give people, you know, call people up, whatever it is. Stay connected with other human beings because that's really hard to measure, but that's something that we really need. And it's easy to go, especially like me, if you're more of an extrovert like me, especially, then it's easy to feel the psychological effects of just being literally socially distanced from people. So try to maintain that sense of normalcy in terms of your social relationships, in terms of your diet, your exercise, your daily routine, getting stuff done. And then the second one would be to look at this as a silver lining. A lot of people complain about not having time, right? What's the most common excuse people have to do for anything? I don't have time. I don't have time. And nobody's got that excuse. Very few people have that excuse right now. You know, maybe if you have five kids at home and you know, but even then we all really have more time than usual. So whatever it is that you've been delaying or procrastinating on, then why not use this time to do it, right? If you've been wanting to read a book or write a book or do this course or learn this thing or develop this or make that, use this time. Um, that's what I would recommend. We, we don't get a position like this very often. And on one, on one hand, it sucks. But on another hand, you can flip that and see that this is actually a massive opportunity to kind of go into overdrive and to just do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't be able to, to do. So those would be the two things I recommend. Love that, man. And um, as far as if, if you enjoyed Zuby and which I know you have because he's such a level-headed guy with bringing great actionable advice uh, to to a world that is so extreme, so crazy. Make sure you go and check him out on Twitter at Zuby Music. Uh, Zuby, where's the best place? Where would you want people to go to? Sure. So there's a few. So ZubyMusic.com, Z-U-B-Y Music.com is my main website. You can find all my links on there. I'm on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and Facebook at Zuby Music. I also have my own weekly podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, which is on um, all the usual channels. And if you want to find my music, just search on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever for my name, and you will find me on there. I do a lot of things. Awesome. And I'll have all of those in the show notes for this episode. Zuby, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate you, what you bring to the world, like I said, and uh, appreciate you taking your time out today. I appreciate it, Ted. Nice one. That wraps up another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed Zuby's message, Zuby's energy. I hope that your mood is better. I'll tell you what, my mood's pretty good all the time, every day, almost every day. And I just, talking with Zuby took me up to the next level. And I hope this is more like a less, less of a scientific episode and more of like a real talk interview. In fact, that's the name of Zuby's podcast is Real Talk. And I'll tell you this, I hope you enjoyed it 
or I should say, it's not that I'll tell you this, but I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I want to bring people who pump you up, who inspire you, who help you shift your mood to a more positive and optimistic state, especially right now where we're getting bombarded by so much negativity. And let me tell you, I've got an awesome guest for the next podcast. I've got former Navy SEAL and medical doctor. He's still a medical doctor, by the way. So he's just a former Navy SEAL because you can't uh, interview those guys while they're active duty. But I got Kirk Parsley coming back on the show. And I haven't, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I've, I've interviewed Kirk a couple times before, but it's been like five years and I've got him back on the show and we, whoa, what an episode. So look forward to that next episode on next Monday. It's going to help you because we talk about stress, the neurobiology of stress, where to get the right information about COVID-19 and also some, some secret hacks for getting better sleep and reducing stress. And this is stuff that goes beyond just the typical sleep hygiene stuff that we've covered so many times on this show. I'm talking about next level strategies for when you're already doing everything right, but you're still struggling with sleep or energy or stress. That's what we're going to get into with Kirk Parsley on the next episode. And before I let you go, again, if you want to get coached by me for seven days in our seven day challenge, if you want to get in in our app and get a free workout, get coaching me taking you to the next level in seven days, I'm going to show you if you've been stuck and you haven't lost weight or you've been gaining weight due to the situation and you want to make a drastic change, a massive change in just a few days, because that's what I do for my coaching clients. That's what I'm going to do for you in the seven day challenge. It's a free challenge, but there are only 50 spots available. So go to legendarylightpodcast.com slash challenge and join because we're about to kick it off and we're launching it all over and the spots will fill up quickly. And if you're looking to, and, and I, I just want to say this, so who is this for? If you're kind of, uh, you know, I'm looking for just, uh, you know, some workout that I may or may not do, this isn't for you. But if you're like, listen, I want to know the best information. I want the best advice. I want an awesome uh, workout that no matter what my equipment at home is, will take me to the next level along with some nutrition information that will help me get results in a week and I'm ready and committed and coachable, then this is for you. High performance, baby. Legendarylifepodcast.com slash challenge. I'll see you there. Have a great one and speak to you on the next episode.